these breaks that I was taking away from school and doing music was not something that was really a magnet pulling me to towards a life that might bring me more fulfillment because it seemed like even though I had this this training to be here or be in the lab, you know, I'd rather be outside jamming. Yeah. And even up to until now, I can't tell you the, the full truth whether I know that the rest of my career is going to be being in the being in the movies, being in film and being an actor, being like playing records, playing on records or touring as a trumpet player. I would love to have all those experiences, surely. But I think that ultimately I would want to have, you know, a, a life experience that has me being the most responsible and beautiful to my people and who I'm representing and those that have invested in me to bring me this far. No, I, if I think they are proud of my life, I think that then I've done something fulfilling. You're listening to The Grind and Gratitude Show. I am Danny Stone, and I've dedicated my entire life to helping people win. Win in their careers, win in their businesses, and win in their lives. This podcast is going to help you get on your grind and hustle to create the life that you love and walk in gratitude along the journey. Each episode, I'll teach you tools and tactics and bring you conversations with experts that will help you turn your passion into a thriving online business. Life isn't about wishing for something greater. It's about making it happen. There's something special about you. Grind until you find it. Be grateful when you get it. Welcome to the Grind and Gratitude Show. I am Danny Stone, also known as Coach Stone, is in the building. Look, if this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much. If you're an avid listener, you know I got a lot of love for you. Now, what do I do? I help authors, consultants, and coaches shift their mindset and speak to make more income, impact, and influence. And I do a bunch of other things, speaking, coaching, all that kind of stuff. I got a couple of books out, but it's not about that. What it is about is me bringing you amazing guests and conversations and tips and tools and resources to help you level up your life and your business. Since I have so much love for the fans, before I get into my very special guest, because I haven't had a guest on the show for a while, and I'm very excited to have this brother on the show. But before I jump in, I have to read this to you. This is this is how much I love my listeners, and, and I really want to show some love to a listener who sent me a message. Now, I received this message all the way from Kenya, and her name is Dr. Immaculate Mena. She left me this message. She said, good morning, Danny. Was listening to the amazing podcast today on the school run this morning. You're becoming very popular in my house. The boys love your messages. Thank you for making our morning rides amazing, and congratulations for a job well done. So shout out to Dr. Immaculate Mena and her three sons, William David and Lucas, listening all the way from Nakuru City in Kenya. I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you so much. Now, I got my very special guest here. I got to let you guys know this guy is, he does everything. I don't know what he doesn't do. He was probably better off telling me what he doesn't do because he does so many things. But let me just, let me just read this to you. Rudy Ray is a famed Ghanaian Canadian activist, actor, and trumpeter based in Toronto including the 2020 Juno Award win for the best album recording with Toby and appearing in Guillaume del Toro's latest movie, Nightmare Alley. 
Wow. Sounds scary. <laughs> um, as a, a, a young upcoming thinker and cultural icon to watch with a focus on love, peace and self-expression, you know, we, we, we got to we, we, we love people who are all about love and peace. Rudy joined 50 plus other artists in an event to raise funds in support of those affected by the war in Ukraine. Rudy graces all genres of music, providing energy and a sound like none other and none that you've ever heard before. So let's welcome to the show, my man, Rudy Ray. How are you, man? Hello, 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 man. Coach Johnny Stone. <laughs> it's true. You're getting very, very, very popular. I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me this morning. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that, man. Man, you know, the name Rudy Ray is such a, it's an entertainer name. Like, like where did you get that name from? <laughs> it is you know um my uncle i think and uh my, my father picked this the name rudolph from my father my mother's side my mother's father like my grandfather is named rudolph and my father's oldest brother is ray ray kwaku so and apparently i was i was conceived in his house and so he was like you better name this man the <laughs> next child ray and so to fulfill both people's expectations my name was rudolph ray kwaku wow and there was a, a very famous comedian and actor named rudy ray as well right More, so. yeah yeah he's <laughs> so amazing this my name uh kind of chronicles <laughs> his 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 life story which is also very incredible yeah. there's also another rudy ray who was a painter rudy ray rapaport mm. yeah really interesting yeah i don't know too much about him but it seems like a an interesting name <laughs> so you were destined you were destined for fame you were destined for stardom you were destined to do so many things you know and a lot is in a name so you know that's amazing. So, so where were you born? Where were you born at? I was born in a small town called Ho in the Volta region in Ghana, and um, I think I was pretty much raised in 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 the Volta region until the age of eight or nine when I went to boarding school. And this boarding school gave me a lot of exposure and um, I guess insights into international travels um, because this school gave me my first tour as a trumpet player, uh, being a part of the school band. And that started to kind of give me, you know. Wait a minute. You were, you were touring at like eight years old. You went on a tour at no, eight. No, no, no. I was, well, I, I started, I was in the school. I started, I joined the school at eight years old, but I, I toured maybe three or four years. I'm sorry. Like, wow. Yes. Yeah, very young. Still I at like 12 <laughs> years old. You went on tour. <laughs> <laughs> we're part of a very young, like a gospel, you know, school band and uh, yeah I, I, it was it was a really interesting um exposure into just the live music scene and and gracing the stage what was it like at that age like when you were like 12 13 what was it like being on stage and performing for people at that age at that point in my life a, a lot of things that i understood were dogmatic everything was about you know praising god and doing it like having a gift and being a servant of god in that in that sense many things felt like the world was doing me a favor in a way. I think I, I was too young to start to really dream up what could become of all the opportunities that I was getting to see things happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, John Tay, John Tay School Band is the name of the school. Reverend John Tay Institute is the name of the school and John Tay School Band 
is the, the beauty of that school band was students who had played the same instruments or learned the same music and then graduated and went on to do other things. So by the time you were actually getting to that point, you knew about other, you know, successful trumpet players or people who had done what you're, what you're kind of doing. So how important it's such you, an interesting network. Yeah, no, like how I was going to say, how important do you think that is? You know, sometimes when you're doing something when you're young, whatever it is, whatever it is you're passionate about, sports, music, anything, mm-hmm. and you come from wherever you come from and you don't see people who've done it before, sometimes it's difficult to kind of see yourself doing that. But what was it like for you knowing that other successful trumpeters have gone on like was that motivation and inspiration for you to say maybe i can be at that level definitely and having the having the humility to look up to other people to see the ways they're they're doing things to do it's it's help it's a helpful tool to making your own rubric or kind of setting your own manual for how how you're going to approach your own artistry Mm. it was very helpful and and being able to connect with them from time to time for advice and and to seek their wisdom is perhaps one of the greatest resources I've been lucky to have. My teacher Barry Mamo is in Amsterdam, and he forwards a lot of cultural integration of Dutch classical music and African Ghanaian trumpet style. And wow. it's such a, an interesting, you know, niche. It exists and he's doing it. <laughs> and it's cool to know that someone is doing that, you know? <laughs> I never knew it existed, but I guess I know now. <laughs> that's, but, you know, I think that's a part of thinking limitless. I, I think for a lot of people, we put ourselves in one box and we're like, this is the mm-hmm. only thing that I can do. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that we're going to talk about you and your career, you've combined all of these things. And I think people have to understand it's not like the world of work and the way the world is. You don't have to just do one thing, right? We're no. all multi, we're all multi hyphenated. We can combine things. We can do two or three different things. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. We're going to talk about y- your journey. How did you end up here in Canada then? You know, so the music was going well, but a little too well. My parents, my dad's path, like, you know, led me to Canada. He had gotten a scholarship to come study at the University of Toronto back in the 60s and then went on to study in Montreal and then ended up at Harvard in the States. And so he was hoping that all his kids would kind of take that or at least trail that path as far as they would. You know, they can go. He married a Canadian woman, which gave him a Canadian citizenship. While he had separated with her before having married my mom and had us, it gave us, his children, an automatic citizenship, even though we're born in Ghana. Mm -hmm. So I really came to Canada at the age of like 15 as a returning Canadian. Not quite understanding how that was going to really benefit me or or even understanding what it means as a civilian, because learning the Western world was, was a whole new thing to me. Mm-hmm. And the plan all along was to come here at a, at a ripe age to begin my college years and then figure out what what life could be from there. Man, that's amazing that your dad went to Harvard. What what did he what did he study in Harvard? Oh man, Ken Kwaku is a, a very 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 interesting interesting man and like interesting African leader as well. You know, I think that that's uh, another thing about Africa is there are so many different types of people and it can be sophisticated to learn how they came to be who they are. My my father studied geography and economics. Wow. He he taught 
at the University of Toronto. He went to Harvard Business School and took a job with the World Bank, where he served as the managing director for a unit of the World Bank called the Multilateral Investment Guarantee Agency, MIGA, for over 30 or 40 years. What? Man, yeah, he that's has a Wikipedia amazing. page. Yeah. He has he a has Wikipedia, a Wikipedia page? page. Yeah. I have to look your pops up. So, I have to look up your dad, man. Wow. Yeah. Well, in as much as I'm proud of him, like his work and and his life and what he has what he had to build for himself really caused us to be very estranged because at an earlier age I got to learn that I'll be seeing my father once a year. Mm. For a child who's hoping to have a normal life, that's not so easy. But after some time you come to understand that everyone has their own path and many black communities don't have this family like you know this concept of therapy and and talking about mental health and all of this is fairly new in the black community and yeah it's nice to see that my, my father was the first person to to pick up on how nervous or how unattached i was getting we're growing so far apart that he got he, he found a therapist for me who was a ghanaian born canadian therapist i'm like the luckiest person in this <laughs> I'm actually the luckiest person in, in you know, <laughs> in wow. Canada, you know, to help me start to understand and, and also, like, redraw my, my relationship with him. And he came at a very critical point in my career as well. Maybe some tips are, you know, like, you got to just consider the importance of family and take all the resources that they, they can provide you. No, I think that's, I mean, you really opened up something there. I think it's really interesting and, and much respect to your father, you know, way back then introducing you to therapy because you're right in the black community. We just, we avoid therapy. We don't want to talk about that. We consider it being weak to go and speak to someone yep. and for your father to, to connect you with a therapist who was Ghanaian Canadian. I mean, I think shout that's out to Dr. Shout, out, <laughs> shout him out, man, because I think, you know, we I think we've had this discussion before, but it's so important that us as a black community, um, we get the help that we need. There's not the, there's no shame and there should be no stigma in getting help mm -hmm. and, um, you know, helping us to heal, heal ourselves and heal our relationships. So, man, just so much respect to you for going and your dad. And it's a, it's a lesson. We all need to learn that it's okay to ask for help. It's actually strong. Yeah. It's not weak to ask for help. It's, yeah. it's strength, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it depends on how you see it. It can be weak at a point, like, I don't want to die. Yeah, yeah, right, right. That's <laughs> true. strength in, in being vulnerable yes. in that way. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I follow. Yeah. So in terms of, like, your, your dad was this academic, right? Yes. And And then you, you like, obviously there was a, a, a desire for you to kind of follow in his footsteps, or, right? And so how did that work? Like, did, did you end up going to university and studying? Like, what was your path? Yeah. So, yes, I ended up going to university. I, I took four years of five, a year of tea, and then I spent a year and a half at Johns Hopkins University doing studying my postgraduate course in neuroeconomics. Wow. I took three, a, a combination of three things, neuroeconomics, addiction, studying addiction, and also like an elective course that kind of ties these two together. 
that is escaping my mind right now, but around like clinical neuropharmacology, which was maybe the, the larger umbrella of all that I have been interested in throughout my wow. um, interests in medicine. Wow. And so, um, so like what happened with that? Like you went down that path. Uh, why yes. did you choose to go down that path? I think at the very end, I wanted to tie my interest in medicine to my interests in decision-making. Neuroeconomics kind of gave me that last exploration in terms of a course that I could really love. And then the skill set got me working in where, in the fields that neuroscientists typically end up. So I volunteered, I came back to Toronto to volunteer in the hospitals. I worked at Rouge Valley, in the Rouge Valley Health System, in the fracture clinic with Dr. Han, the radiotherapy and radiology departments, and also in the geriatric departments. Mm. But my time and my rotation in the geriatric department kind of gave me a nervous breakdown because mm. now the reality of dealing with you know, brain-damaged patients, stroke victims, um, patients that were in terminal situations of cancer and Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's and a culmination of all of it. I think while I was studying and getting to know these subjects through, thoroughly, I hadn't vis envisioned the reality of what my my day-to-day would be like that I would be spending time more in the you know geriatric departments because this is where your skill set as a neuroscientist is needed. You be spending time in prisons mm -hmm. or in asylums because you are dealing with psychopaths and sociopaths in a way that and so forth. And um I think I had to step back from that for a moment to be like, is this really what I want to do with the rest of my life? This is great information. And there's probably more that more to this that I can explore. Uh, it's great that I've taken the time and the training, you know, to do the courses, but it's time for me to make a decision with my life. Mm -hmm. And one particular summer, I just decided I was also really broke <laughs> because while I was applying to have a full-time job in the health system most of what i was doing most of like my clinical work were voluntary or in honorarium pace mm -hmm. which was not enough money for me to really live with which is another thing with you know getting jobs and being secure financially and in the system no matter how smart or whatever however critical your job is yeah and you could even say that racism has something to do with the filter or the windows too. But could still should we even go there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we, you know, but in yeah, all things considered, I started busking and started playing the trumpet on the streets. And that almost, you know, like a sword cut through and made me fall into a new reality. Because now music was something I always did. Music was always something I would do on Sundays, would do to just hang with the boys. Music was something I that came naturally to me. And many Blacks, I guess, that I have grown up with. In my experience, I've known so many friends of mine who, especially in the church system like I grew up in, who sang, who played the piano at least, right. who played drums, you know, or played the bass and this and that. You know, always you had, you know, people just naturally evolving you know black you know we always made music and it was never like oh this person wrote this song or you know this person made this hit it was just like oh yeah you have a musical idea share it right 
getting into studio with with the people that I got to get into studio with was as like <laughs> was over was an overwhelming experience of you know coming to understand star power and celebrities and so forth. But my love was always just being in the streets and playing my trumpet loud and and, and so forth. So at what point did you make the decision to like okay I'm doing this music thing I'm not doing going to work in the medical field. What what when did that happen? I think that it's evolved naturally over okay. the time. Yes, there were some years there, especially in the years when I was working in the hospital. I had some critical conversations with, you know, my parents and, you know, caretakers, just people who cared about my life, asking if these breaks that I was taking away from school and doing music was not something that was really a magnet pulling me to towards a life that might bring me more fulfillment because it seemed like even though I had this this training to be here or be in the lab you know I rather be outside jamming yeah and even up to until now I can't tell you the the full truth whether I know that the rest of my career is going to be being in the being in the movies being in film and being an actor being like playing records playing on records or touring as a trumpet player I would love to have all those experiences surely but I think that ultimately I would want to have you know a, a life experience that has me being the most responsible and beautiful to my people and who I'm representing and those that have invested in me to bring me this far no I, if I think they are proud of my life I think that then I've done something fulfilling yeah and I think that's hopefully interesting die young like Bob Valley <laughs> <laughs> no no you get you got to live a long time you, you got a lot more to do in this world but but man like what what did your parents say to you when you decided to like I'm doing music like what what did they say I think both parents still kept this mentality like yeah do it as a hobby you know mm. keep it as on the side do it as something that distresses you don't start counting the hours and like asking for credits and charging what you think a Juno award winning artist should get because you know like that was never you know yeah. it, that was never in, in in sight you know so, so i think for the most part my mom was just like treated like Sunday church yeah. just yeah like have it do it when you can focus on getting that thing that can get you the 401k and a steady job yeah right so when they started seeing that it was more and more serious like did what what did they say then like when they realized like you're really doing this what what did they say and the reason I'm asking is because there's a lot of people right now and this is what I really want you to 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 understand and is like there's a lot of people who are listening to this who are like I have a dream and my parents or my spouse or my siblings or my friends don't believe in me mm. and, and so like what was it for you that kept you going i think my parents believe in me my dad's attitude quickly changed when he started to see the successes that came with or at least how people others were responding to it because now it wasn't just me explaining to him that hey there's something here that I can explore that can that can really make me happy there's an ability here that I can harness there's something you know essential here that he started to encourage that mm -hmm. he started to encourage more of that and also my mom as all mothers are yeah <laughs> You know, but this is a good lesson because I've done lots of things in my life that other people didn't believe in me and and that's okay. And 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 the reason why I ask that is because you actually said something interesting and I think we all have to pay attention to what you just said. It's like your dad came around and really started believing with you, believing in you once he saw your ability. 
And what I always tell once I and what I always tell people is progress equals belief. The more progress you make, the more you actually believe that you can do something and the more other people believe in you. We have to stop putting our faith and our trust in other people to believe in us. Mm. Oh, I need so-and-so to believe in me. It doesn't matter what other people think. They have their hopes and their dreams. If you're Mm. dedicated and you're committed, you're always going to get better at something. And when you get Mm. better, the progress equals belief. You actually start to believe, maybe I can do this thing. Maybe I can achieve this goal. And guess what? Other people start to believe it too. So I always talk about progress equals belief. And you kind of just exemplified it there with your dad. He was kind of like, oh, this is, yeah, maybe you're okay. And then once, once you started to get the, the, the accolades and the fame and the status and, and really doing this. Proof of concepts. (laughs) Right, right, right. So I think that's a lesson for so many people. Just stay focused, stay committed, stay dedicated. You're always going to get better. And when you do, maybe you'll start to believe that you can achieve something. And then guess what? Other people will believe it. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's a, I think that's a good lesson for anybody listening. Like I always tell people, stop putting your faith in other people and put it in where it belongs in possibility. Hmm. Maybe it's possible. Maybe it's not. Yeah. <laughs> but try. A friend of mine once taught me that genius is effort. And I thought that was such a such a sin thing to say. Genius is effort. Just put in the effort, and with time, you know, you'd prove yourself, which is Man, so. I love yeah. that. So, mm-hmm. so now you start playing trumpet, and now you're saying you've worked in studios with these amazing. What are some? Who are some of the big artists that you worked with? And talk about some of the people that you, the artists that you had a chance to work with, man. Because your journey is amazing, bro. <laughs> oh man, you know I. I've been so blessed to work with so many incredible artists, young and old. In 2020, some some work I did with Toby won Juno Awards and, and then kind of gave me this accolade, which was incredible. I've worked with this amazing singer named Looney. But even back when I didn't, I, I just loved playing and I would spend more time maybe with producers it helped me get on some very big records i've worked with lee scratch perry as a result of that i've i've shared albums with sean price because merciless you know made that type of thing happen i've happened to like i happened to work on a demo that ended up with who sold who sold the song to drake um for the song the trophies um, I've been have I've been lucky to work on songs with J Cole, who is a favorite artist of mine. I've worked with Peter Sun, who is incredible. I think I've dared to work with some of my favorites across, especially in the R and B and hip hop world. I play a lot of jazz, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I have have shared the stage with many great jazz players. The one person that I can say, and which was a very lucky childhood to have was i learned with hugh masakela who is a south african like legendary flugelhorn player and like jazz pioneer i think his friendship with the trumpet gave me this childhood uh, excitement to be a musician uh, to just kind of just have the trumpet as a friend with me throughout my life wow man those are legendary people that you've been on the stage i know right (laughs) cheers thank you and like just you know, last two weeks um, at the Ukraine Fund 
Blazer. I, I should I should take my time to see who was really on stage. The bass player from the Very Naked Ladies, Jim Cregan, was an incredible person to share the stage with. Misha, who I'm just learning to embrace, has such an incredible voice. Andrew McCann's just a great trumpet player who, you know, and a jazz educator. It's a great mentor of mine as well. Anyway. Just, no, you know. <laughs> no, no, like I, I love seeing the excitement and the love that you have for your artistry and for other artists and to be able to do what you love and to work with these amazing artists. I mean, you work with like Drake and J. Cole and some of these other amazing artists. You're on, you know, you've toured with some amazing artists as well right? You've been on tour. What is that like going out on tour, you know, traveling to all these different cities and performing? I think that is one part of the experience that I want to have more because I've done it on my own accord. I've had my own bands, you know, tour and have, you know, book a few places. I've gotten to play maybe in replacements of other trumpet players, like when I played with Childish Gambino. And when I was younger, um, I got to tour Europe, which is something I'm, I'm trying to set up again to do, you know, going um, Oslo, Berlin, Dublin, Paris. Um, it's <laughs> it's a lot of waiting in buses and waiting at bus stops, first of all, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but when you get to play in different rooms and, and you know, kind of carry, like share that energy, like receive you know, that, like, have that exchange, like, of a live music experience, it, it, it marks you in a way that makes you either want more or grow tired of it, depending on which points of your own life you're in. Um, I love live music. There's nothing like live music. You know, I, I love seeing live. I grew up in Nova Scotia, Canada, where there are a lot of musicians. Like I think okay. one one in three people in the black community is musically inclined or more. Wow. And so instrument singing. And so I just grew up around live music all the time. So I love live music. I love live performances. And, um, you know, there's just some magic to it that you can't get you know, listening to a music on your phone or something, but you know, for Nova you, Scotia. yeah, you know, I, I, I know, I believe Nova Scotia is like historically one of the places in Canada with the largest black community. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. That's where my father's from. Uh, he was my father's side of the family been in Canada black canadians before it was even a country so yeah there's a lot of like you, know, you guys like the bank of nova scotia so my father is black from canada my mother is jamaican so i'm jamaican okay. canadian that's that's the mix and you know very diverse sides of the family um uh, but very both sides like music is everything growing up whether it was the the reggae side with my grandparents who moved here from jamaica on my father's side with everything you can think of pop rock you know um everything r&b so i grew yeah. up on all yeah. types of music right? yeah you hear it all you hear it all yeah nice so so for you you know explain like what was it like first of all tell everybody what a juno award is because we have listeners all over the world and what was it like for you to win a juno award the Canadian equivalent of the Grammy Music Award, yeah. which recognizes um, song in any particular category, and not just songs, albums as well, and 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 music videos. And now I believe even um, like 
you know, production and, and other different categories. Um, I was nominated for the best contemporary R&B song of 2020, as well as the best rap album of uh, for the same year. And um, we didn't win the contemporary R&B song, Holiday, but we won the rap album, which was an incredible day to wake up to. Because first, even getting the nomination was like, what is this email? Was it? Like, I was like, guys, like, did everybody get this in this team? Wow. <laughs> Incredible. You know, and then, you know, to to get the phone calls that like confirm like, oh, yeah, like this is true. And and wow, like, thanks for being a part of this thing. And it's, it's a nice um, reminder that, Sure, you're doing something you love, you're doing something with your boys, and you never really know the impact that it's having or how it's reverberating with others that are listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it also is like a call to duty again, in a way, like, okay, you know, we are paying attention to some of the things you're doing. What more? How like you know, how can how can you show us that you know that was not just you know you messing around, you're actually here to, you know. Um, be a part of our musical experience and, and, and what more ideas do you have and so forth. So it's a nice challenge in that way, but uh, it's exciting at the same time. And now I'm starting to understand that it actually gives you like the, um, the right to like a pay upgrade. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I should have, I should have been told this <laughs> yesterday. It's not today's price. <laughs> yesterday's price is not today's price. You got that yeah, right. Yesterday's price. That's how you say it. Yesterday's price is not today's price. I just posted yeah. that on Instagram. <laughs> I just said that as a speaker. If you don't, if you don't hire me as a speaker or a coach today, and you try tomorrow, the price is not the same. But it's you know, it's invoice. <laughs> But man, like, of course, like, that's amazing. Like, congratulations on winning the Juno. That's a major, like, that's really big. And and so for you, do you feel like pressure now to like, I need to, I need to go out and be a part of these other projects to, to make sure that I get another Juno because now that a standard is right, set? Right. Yeah. Also, Young Money, Young Money, Cash Money was the name of the label that treated all of what trophies was at the time because right. it wasn't Drake's name. You know, it was a very, very complicated time. Anyway, now back to this. Wow. Sorry. No, that's I cool. Like, I forgot this. Like, Young you know, money, cash I wanted money. to be Lil Wayne, you know? Anyway. <laughs> um, sorry, your question again. No, I just said, yeah, Young Money, Cash Money. Shout out to Young Money, Cash Money. Um, but, um, <laughs> No, I was asking because you won the Juno Award. Now, do you feel pressure to like, I need to make a not be a part of another project to win another award? Like as the bar been raised, like, do you feel that pressure? It's such, a, it's such an interesting question. You know, like as the years pass and you see the nominations again, you're like, you're wondering whether like you're going to be part of it again or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's such a strange feeling. And, um, Luckily, I've felt more joy seeing the number of people, like number of recognized names I've seen in the general nominees list in the, the years following. 
because it's it's it hitting close to home. So many of my friends who I thought were super talented, who had like you know incredible ideas that needed recognition, were now finally getting their break. And so like it felt like okay, it, it was like maybe I stepped into this room that I was like, whoa, guys, <laughs> there's gold in here. <laughs> holy shit there's gold in here and then the next year or two years later i'm like holy shit the party is in the gold room you know that's how i'm feeling you know like with with you know like as things progress i i haven't felt the pressure of needing to be an award-winning person or like i've not felt like i need to be part of things that are geared towards you know getting that prize but I have noticed a certain resolve to wanting things to be the best version of myself or being part of things that are showing very critical storytelling that is impacting or, or, or is exposing other, other like voices that you wouldn't otherwise you know, hear. Even though I didn't win the Juno this year, you know, I was part of another like big award-winning um, production, which was Nightmare Alley. You know, this year I spent time with Guillermo del Toro uh, and Bradley Cooper. And if you if you read, you know, like the, how what is what is getting nominations for that, and how many awards that is being like relegated for, it's it's extremely overwhelming i can't like i can't even post about it because i'm like wow you know (laughs) and i'm i'm very grateful for that but then i'm also recognizing the setting falling into a new reality that like i'm interested in film i'm interested in music i'm interested in excellence i'm interested in storytelling i'm interested in you know portraying whatever you know can expose me as african as black as normal as average as like we can do it all because we are capable because there's a youth out there there's a young person out there who's also like you know just finding his path but the excitement is in the effort it's 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 a very strange place to to be when when you start to feel the momentum like okay let's make things happen okay let's let's talk about this okay let's encourage people because you never ever want that to really stop but you don't also want to become a gimmick. You want to be true to what your first intentions are. Sari mm-hmm. Pevasi has a statement where he says, the only joy in the world is to begin. But the philosophical question behind that is to begin what? That, that's, I mean, I love that. And we evolve as people, right? Like we shouldn't put limits on ourselves because like I said, we're multi-hyphenated. We can do many different things and you're doing many yeah. things. You know, you're an actor, you're an artist, you're an activist, you're a trumpeter. How did you kind of make the kind of transition, like you're still doing music, but into acting? How did that bridge happen? How did you get into acting? How did I get into acting? I was very lucky in the um, the spring of 2019. Like usual, I was busking on the street somewhere <laughs> because it's in my head or something. And this lady named Peter Gill Williams saw me and said, Hey, like, you know, you, you play, you you play very beautifully. Have you ever considered acting? Have you ever considered, you know, being in the movies? And I was like, no, 
she told me that they're, they're casting for this this role of a male black trumpet player a young male black trumpet player in toronto and i'm like very specific yeah that kind of sounds very specific and then in the week that follows i'll be tagged in on facebook and you know in social media of people searching for the same description a young male black trumpet player and i'm like what is what is my luck yeah yeah (laughs) you know and they had this particular suit that they wanted someone to fit and i happened to fit the suit that was and destined. I showed up on set and I had no idea what this commercial and and, and they're so like strict about things like show up around 5 a.m. for makeup and all of this because it's gonna be a long day. I'm like, woo! <laughs> it's gonna be fun. And you know, I show up, the day like proceeds as it goes, and then we finally are on set, and I understand now that this is a Hollywood production with Octavia Spencer and Tiffany Haddish and like, you know, people that I see on TV in the room with me. And like, and then I understand that this is going to be the case for the next few months. Whoa. What was that like showing up? And then I couldn't tell anybody about it because this is the first production I'm doing. I'm confused out of my mind. I'm breaking up with my girlfriend because, you know, I'm already going through a lot of things at a time and she's not quite understanding that I'm taking a leap of faith with this thing and and it sounds crazy that i'm telling her that suddenly i'm a movie star i'm hanging out with movie stars so like i kind of have to hold the reality of of this new like this new reality that i'm getting into and and believe in myself that this investment that i'm making is bound to pay off or i'm going to learn something from this experience that hopefully would lead to something and the story was madam cj walker the story of like the first black woman who you know like becomes as successful as she can she can ever become was such a critical story for any black boy to learn and yeah. like it's, it's so easy to mirror because you can see the story of madam cj walker in your grandmother anyone you in your aunties you can mm-hmm. see it in any entrepreneur that is like that is living and it's closer to home because she is black. She looks just like us. And, you know, she feels just like the way we are feeling, you know, she has like, you know, all of these things. And then like the, the power dynamic is shifted in my first experience of a large movie scale, all the fam- all the movie directors and the movie producers on set are black and female. Oh my so it's God. like you're hanging with all your aunties and you know they are caring about the little things that a, a, a typical white producer or white director wouldn't care about like you know what kind of rice and peas you should have at lunch <laughs> and like you know how everyone should be feeling when they're all getting tired on set and you know the little things that typically you know it's like a feminine energy or a woman would would instinctively think about but the man will have to train to consciously consider being a part of that as my first experience being in TV and knowing that it's going to have such a big break, like Netflix, I was like, <laughs> massive. <laughs> wait for it, you know? And then finally it comes out and it's the pandemic. Mm. And everybody is like, you know, already in their own worlds and, you know, just caught up. And I have 
like it's hard to really celebrate it because you know how many people are really like paying attention now everyone has their own issues you know it's been a learning curve through it all but uh like i i just I, i'm trying I'm, I'm staying close to the ground for like what's next for me because <laughs> it's been an overwhelming experience <laughs> that was that that experience was almost like it was written for you like to really we all have this champion inside of us we all have the ability and capability to do things that we don't even think we can do in order to get to that point i i say that we have to raise a bar a bar is an acronym raise your level of asking for what you want asking the universe, whatever you believe in, ask, ask for more. Most of us don't ask enough. Raise your level of believing that maybe it's possible. You don't have to believe it's fully possible. Maybe I can do that. Raise your level of taking action towards it, mm-hmm. doing things that you've never done. And then raise your Absolutely. level of receiving the gift, the blessing, the dream when it comes. And I find totally. that Right. Totally. And so I find that we're all okay here and there with the with the asking. Sometimes we ask, sometimes we believe, sometimes we take action. But I find a big challenge for a lot of us is the receiving. Yes. When that woman came to you and she said, Hey, you're amazing. This might be something you're interested in. All of these people kept you kept it kept coming up on Facebook. A lot of people would say, Well, I'm not an actor, I'm a musician, yeah, and on totally. to the next thing. And yeah, so you yeah, yeah. you received an opportunity when it came. So like, why did you say yes? Like, why did you, like, you had never acted before. Why did you op- receive the opportunity when it came? You know, there was a lot of hesitation, honestly. I think I had to weigh the, the pros and cons and be like, this is worth the risk. You know, I had to come to that resolve within myself to be like, I'm willing to expose myself to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm willing to show up to see what, what this can yield. Maybe that comes with some resolute stupidity sometimes, or, you know, just share, you know, like letting go of expectations mm-hmm. to be able to allow yourself to kind of absorb that. It also felt like a very peculiar call. Because of his specificity, like I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, you know, like I think those at the point I, I I was kind of in shock that like all you're coming through all of Toronto and you cannot find, you know, a male black trumpet player. It, it, it sounded very absurd to me, and so because of how absurd it was, I was very, you know, I was like, okay, let's let's see what happens, you know. Yeah. I think it you need to. In my, in, in my scenario so hey, absolutely go ahead i'm grateful i'm grateful that it worked out in a good way yeah you, you know i, I think it, when when people hear this amazing journey that you've been on and they all the people that artists that you've worked with or album songs you've been on and now this this your first very first acting gig is with these amazing actresses on this really important film that gets released on Netflix. People are hearing your journey and they're like, man, he's had an amazing journey. You know, it sounds like everything's just working out for him. Like it doesn't sound like you've had any (laughs) challenges. You did say that you were breaking up with your girlfriend at the time, but like, what is, because if someone listening to this, they might be like, well, that's him. He just had his life was easy. Like what, what's a major challenge or something that you had to overcome 
that, you know, that maybe a lot of people just don't know, like what's something that you earlier on, you, you talked about, you know, going to getting um, counseling and, 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 and therapy, but like, what's something else that people might not know that you've had to overcome because your story just sounds like, man, you, you was playing on the street, this happened, this, right, so, right. So, so, so share something with us. If you're a side hustler, business owner, or entrepreneur, you know that running a business or a side hustle can be really challenging. There's so many things to learn in your business. There's so many things to learn about yourself, your mindset, your habits. So how do you do all this alone? Well, if you really want to have the level of success and the freedom and the income and the impact that you want, maybe you can't do it alone. That's why we decided that we wanted to help. We dropped a brand new Champion You Academy. The Champion You Academy is going to be coaches, teachers, and mentors who are experts in their field that are going to teach you what they know. You're going to have digital products, memberships, courses, programs, and coaching that's going to help you to take your life and your business to the next level. To find out more, go to championyou.academy. That's championyou.academy. I think, you know, it's been, it's been a lot of fear of abandonment. Mm-hmm. First of all, you know, I think I, I began this interview or like this conversation tonight, like expressing how from a very, very early age, I learned that I was only going to be seeing my dad once a year. You know, it, it bore a foundation of separation. I have a, like a lot of fear of um, survivor's guilt in a sense, you know, me as a product of my, my life was made as a, as a product or as a result of my dad and my mom who had, you know, set intentions for why they were having, you know, the, the children that they had. And while it, it is, it doesn't seem to really benefit either of them. Now we are here and, you know, we have our lives to live and we have our paths to find for ourselves. And there's a, a lot of feeling of why, why give me life to just make me suffer and like, you know, figure this whole thing out for myself. And, and maybe the resolve when you stop hating yourself so much is like, how can I use who I am or who, what I'm becoming to the best of my knowledge and to benefit those who care and love me the most. Being grateful and being sincerely, sincerely grateful and humble because I recognize that for the most part of my life, I've been born into a level of privilege and class that I'm shy to share that because it's against an even bigger system, you know, of white supremacy and like European consult and like history that has, you know, so many layers to it. While I'm most sensitive to the common or like the common African in me, I also realized that I have the capacity to travel, which the common African doesn't have. Finding ways to live my life and not, not feel like um, I deserve everything that is happening to me, but rather 
I like to approach it with a level of gratitude for every opportunity or every challenge that comes my way. And also recognize maybe at the point in my life where maybe this privilege can benefit someone and when to use that in an active way, like using these platforms when you invite me and into, you know, like things like this and seeing the, like the power in that, the power in sharing your story as honestly and sincerely as you can imagine, like you can tell it, you know, in hopes that it gives someone else, you know, the motivation or the inspiring factor to just build and, and kill it. Yeah, man. I think, you know, thanks so much for sharing that. I think that's, you know, there's, there's so much power in sharing your story. And sometimes we think that we're alone in our struggles and whatever mm-hmm. the struggle is, it doesn't matter what it is. Everybody in the world has a challenge and you think you're alone. And there's, you know, there's, there's some kind of inspiration knowing that you're not alone, knowing that it's just not you. And I, I truly believe in the power of sharing your story. Like some of us think our story isn't that important and you don't know the people that are secretly watching you and listening to you that you're inspiring just from sharing your story, your journey, your ups, mm-hmm. your downs, what I've been through, what I've been thinking. And so I, I completely have uh, understanding that, you know, me sharing my story inspires other people and all of us have that, you know, yes. I think it's so important that you continue to share your journey, tell your story, be open, be honest, be vulnerable, because most people will never tell you, but there's a lot of people that are secretly watching every one of them, friends, mm. family, coll- colleagues, yes. classmates, and they may never say anything, but they're listening and they're watching. Yes. And so, yeah, I'm definitely believing the power of sharing your story. And um, yes. thank you for sharing your story, brother. I just, uh, I got a couple more questions for you. What's, Please. what's another big dream that you have? What's something else that you really want to happen, you know, in your life? What's another big dream that you have? Oh, man, that's tough. Or a couple. It doesn't have to be one. It can be a few, a few big, two or three big dreams that you have. Um, I'll. I would love to tour the world again. I would love to, like, I, I want to explore and I, I want to travel the world. And, um, but maybe I want to travel the world with a message. Mm. And I'm working on that part. I'm working on on what it is that I, I I want to go out to the world to share. And it can be a very, very simple message, like just, you know, energy and gratitude and mm-hmm. funk. <laughs> energy attitude and funk <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i love that uh it, you know messages don't have to be complicated they can be simple love yourself love other people yes. you know wake okay. you know find peace with it can, it doesn't have to be it we all need reminders we're in a busy world with lots of things happening and yes. we can when we have people who are constantly telling us to love ourselves, to be grateful, to be thankful, yes. even in the tough yes. moments, yes. we just need a reminder of a simple message in a complicated, yes. sometimes complicated world. So yes. I love it. I love the fact that like, going on tour with a really simple yet powerful message. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that activates your activism because, you know, you're Absolutely. definitely. And yeah. And right on that, I, I want to meet more people that inspire my activism as well. People that, you know, are doing the things that I'm doing. Um, and I'm motivated to see the world, like the better world that we can all imagine uh, developing and, and, you know, building. And, and so like, I, I wish to kind of 
getting into into the studio with some of these you know like i think everyone every artist i hope <laughs> has a secret list of you know artists that they, they wish to really work with and you know keep her a really really fire ass resume <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, uh, I, I have some inspirations and and um who who like, are you i'd love who? to work with most deaf or the black side you know true yeah. if if something like that comes along the lines i'd love 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 to you know just be the the trumpet sound in like a new you know wicked project in that way there's some um some more woo tang records in the in in the making awesome which i'm excited to share with the world oh, um man. and 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 i like the way the world also surprises me with some things talent and like genius in this world is so all over the place and sometimes you can't always recognize it yourself it takes a third party and in my life i've been very lucky to recognize the third parties who you know have just connected me to bigger projects and um yeah i think i think people like that the producers you know the you know the people who care about the pictures the people who you know who 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 run the charts and you know who just receive the message and share it along um they make a great impact in putting value to what we are building and what what we are talking about and all of that and i think i'm very grateful for those people in my life more than the celebrities i'm also grateful i'm also grateful for the celebrities because <laughs> they keep the banks <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah you they know keep bank accounts okay <laughs> celebrities keep those bank accounts coming keep working with rudy all you celebrities out there but you know rudy i think um before i ask you these final two questions i think what you said is really important it's like mentorship is so important and we have to be mm. open to getting mentorship and guidance yeah. and and coaching and teaching from other people. We can't allow our ego to get in the way. When you need help or when somebody sees something in you, just be open to what it is that they see or open to the advice that they give, especially if you know they're further, way further down the road than you've been and they've already experienced that journey. And so many of us have to be open to mentorship, to coaching and to guidance because people can see things in us that we cannot see in ourselves. And totally. And that seems to be a common theme with you. Like all of these doors open because people see something in you because you're passionate about what you do and you're open to like listening to what they see in you. And then you yeah, answer yeah. the call. Those are the three things that happen. So right. I think that's a big lesson for a lot of people, you know? Yeah, no. And, and, and to speak to my generation, I think that many of us, you know, like quickly get into this, place where we think that okay okay i'm getting the skills i think i can figure it out now they stop they stop looking up to you know the older generations who have figured out this already and you know for guidance or just like you know even to just check in sometimes you know i think people's idea of guidance is like oh i'm asking my big brother to to like run my life for me no it's really just you know checking in to like for them to recognize that you know, you care about, you know, them seeing how you're progressing. And and there's so much blessing in, in like, being able to not have your ego, you know, drive 
you know, the success of, you know, your own motivations and whatnot, you know, and I, I think maybe it's my time in boarding school that helped me see these layers that no matter how old I get, there are, you know, there are people who have a certain history of things that, who can help me in a way that I'm always going to need advice for because mm. there's more to do. And like, hopefully be humble enough to carry on some of the templates and things that they started because, you know, really um, it's greatest when you are, when you're, when you're building upon what is already there, you know, like you, we have great civilizations born over a long time and, for for you to recognize that long time you need to make that connection to you know the older generations and like the older people and understand that method or at least be willing to learn in order to you know pass it on yeah then that's that's, yeah. that's and see yourself as just part of part of this bigger thing that is building and 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 there's so much comfort in realizing that i like you are part of like the bigger thing going back to Ghana did that for me going mm. back to Ghana, like, you know, for a moment made me feel like, wow, I am an army. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and that was such a, <laughs> that was, it was, it, it was belittling in one way, but also so like encouraging because, you know, I was like, you can't kill me. Like, you know, <laughs> you're going to kill all of us to kill me. <laughs> How long had it been? How long had it been since you've been back? To Ghana. 13 years. Wow. 13 years. Yeah. Like I left as a child. I left, you know, you know, just to, to, yeah, to have my university experience and all of that. And never went back until, you know, I'd gotten some, you know, time in the medical field, gotten some success in the movies. And I was like, oh, okay. Maybe Ghana would recognize me if I'm a celebrity, not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so what was that, you know, what was that experience like going back after 13? Like when you went back, what did you feel when you first went back home? What was that experience oh, like? Oh, man. Yo, there's nothing like it. You know, like, first of all, like, because of COVID and all of these, like, you know, restrictions for travel, I wasn't quite sure how you know, how smooth, you know, my travels are going to be. But luckily, give it up to the white man. <laughs> the place to work the way they do. <laughs> Everything was, was smooth. And uh, I la like getting back home was very, very grounding and very refreshing. And um, because my intentions were primarily to just reconnect with family and touch base with family members and so forth. I just kept traveling throughout Ghana to see people and to visit homes and get a sense of all that had changed. And after over, you know, after 13 years of being away, you really feel the impact of like modern, like modernization and like, you know, industrialization of places. And it's, while it's so, um, overwhelming to feel Ghana getting a structure that is like almost ready to uh, build up into a Western civilization and even, you know, a second world, a second 
class world or whatever, like first world, second world, or you know, right. like while while it, it feels like they're they're um, progressing technologically and and all of that, there's a strong um, patriotic feeling in the music, in the way that people dress, in like in the freedom of the people, in the way they connect with you, and and maybe because this is what I grew up with, regaining that type of social parlay mm-hmm. was very easy. And then I, it dawned on me how quickly you can start to forget how people connect with each other, how we treat each other as brothers and sisters, or like, you know, you know, yes, Canadians have a, a lot of hospitality and, you know, in, in the culture, but I don't think that they hold a strong culture value to the hospitalities and, you know, ethics that they have where, you know, in Ghana, it sips right down to the music. It sips right down to the food, how we eat, how, you know, like the the gestures, like physical gestures. And, and, and all of that helped my anxiety, helped my nervous system, like in a very physical way Mm. that I realized, wow, I am missing this when I travel to other countries that don't have these cultural things in the society. And like, uh, like, you know, it's, it's in the little things and I'm sure we can, we can discuss this in so many ways and how maybe some of it is useful and some of it is not so useful because it's yeah. like, I don't know if I want to talk with, with my taxi driver for <laughs> 10 minutes before we get to where we need to get, you know, like right, right, right. <laughs> all of those like little things in, in between. It felt it felt like Ghana is still the same, but Ghana is just getting better in what it is. And the idea of blackness and Africanness is catching on in a different way. Maybe it's catching on to me more because I'm an older person now and I'm starting to see how Western education has impacted our traditions and you know our perception of ourselves. The beauty of all of it is that I have my grandmother, my mother's mother, who is a queen mother in like in Wusuta, a small village in, you know, but she keeps very strong traditional ways, mm-hmm. you know, like and in the purest form. Right. So like having someone like that and, and having her children, my mom and like her, all her sisters, you know, hold like the airway cultural way of living was helpful like they would not speak english to me they'll speak airway the whole time so i had to think and you know respond in airway you know which was like the most crucial like learning for me to see that wow you know like understand you know what is a native and what is a foreigner understand like see the difference in how who you are and how you like how you are representing yourself, you know, Man, that, and that's like so- the nuances is there. That's so amazing. I was following your journey on Instagram and yeah, man, it's so amazing that you had that experience to go back home and to reconnect with your family. Look, man, we can talk forever. I could have, we can talk forever. Like this is like, we're going to have to have a part two of this. Like, that was amazing. But I have to, you have to come to Ghana. Oh, I'm definitely, definitely going to absolutely, (laughs) absolutely going to Ghana for sure. I'm definitely going. Um, So, I got two two questions that I ask everybody that I end with. So the first one is, what does the word grind mean to you? Yeah. 
man, to me, grind means esteem. Understanding what you think you're worth to yourself and what the day is worth to you, you know, each time. Wow. And like, it's so clear to me that everyone's grind is different and, and should be, you know, but there's a certain inspiration, a certain, a certain motivation when you see someone whose grind matches yours. I wrote a poem like very recently that has a line, a good friend or like a good mirror is an old friend. A good mirror is an old friend. When you have an old friend who can, you know, like, who, who can check in with you and be like, yo, like, hey, Danny, man, like, yeah, like, I see, you know, like, like back in the day, how you used to be. And like, you, like, you know, you always, I always saw this in you or, you know, and so forth and so on. You can, you can see a certain reflection of your own, like, mo motives, you know, and that's, that's the grind for me. Just being, coming into that pure awareness and like being sensitive to your own thoughts and carrying it forward, acting with it, you know, effectively. That's the grind. Wow. It can start and at 8 a.m. It can start, you know, like, it, and, and it doesn't have to, you know, like it's beautiful to wake up, have, have a routine and, and, and so forth. But, you know, lately my meditation has been this thought, wake up throughout the day. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and that's good. And my last question is what what does gratitude mean to you? Accepting. You know, well when 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 the grind is being aware and and seeing and like availing yourself, you know, gratitude is learning to accept. And that also takes a lot of humility. That also takes a lot of honor. That always also takes a lot of understanding your own value to be like, okay, it's not everything that needs acceptance or it's not everything that I need to accept. Or, you know, um, my brother taught me a word the other day, which was contrition. It's almost like you're accepting it, but you don't say, okay, you know. <laughs> you know, yeah. sometimes when you're learning, when, when, you're, when you have a young brother, or when you have a young kid and you're teaching them something and they're better than you and you're like, oh, <laughs> I know it better. You know, you, you, don't, you don't say like you are better, but you say, okay, okay, you're getting good. Right. You know, something like that. Like right. Mm. Gratitude has a lot of uh, the elements of learning how to be open, learning how to accept. And it takes intentional practice because gratitude is money. It's, it's a currency in a way. The more you can say thank you to things, you know, the more, like the, the more value, you know, those things hold and so forth. Mm. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, it, man. I hope that's a, a like, no, nah, that's great, man. Look, thank you, Rudy Ray. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you being here. Look, let everybody know where they can connect with you. My social media handles are all the same at Rudy Ray Kwaku, my full name. Um, Instagram, I'm most active on. I have Twitter. You could, you know, shout me out on that as well. Facebook is great. Um, for, for my music, 
you would have to kind of dig through uh, my life to kind of find what I'm working on because I'm always on different album projects and so forth. Um, but my website, rudyray.co, is comprehensively putting together all the things that I've been working on, both as a musician and um, an actor and my, my poetry and everything else. I'm, I'm working to kind of collate everything. So rudyray.co and at Rudy Ray Kwaku on socials. Thanks, man. Okay, make sure that you follow Rudy. I mean, you can you can see that he's 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 involved in so many different things. He's 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 walking this amazing journey of, you know, music and activism and acting. And make sure that you follow him, Rudy. Thank you so much for being on the show. We definitely got to come back and have a part two or even a part three at some point because I know you got more things in the works. And I'm gonna have to bring you back maybe a year from now, and and we'll sit down and do this again. But thank you, thank brother, you. so much for being on the show, man. I really appreciate you, you being here. I wanted to give a shout out to Mark Stodark because we are we are both, you know, riding on the beloved T I see you're wearing a beloved t-shirt. Yes. That's right. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you very much, Christone. I am so inspired by everything you do. You know, I, I, I think I catch myself in the morning sometimes checking what the coach stone post is for the day <laughs> that's my motivation thing. that's why i can get to it get right to it yes <laughs> thank you very much for all your work and and you're, you're a great inspiration in the community and uh thank you again for having me on the show i appreciate you brother take care thanks so much for being my co-host on this episode of the grind and gratitude show i really appreciate you i hope that you learned something and you're motivated to take action and get on your grind didn't that go by fast if you want more, head over to grindandgratitude.com for show notes and more information about this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a rating so more people will tune in. And let me say this, there's something special about you. Grind until you find it. Be grateful when you get it.